Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are giving ourselves as holy and living sacrifices to God, and we are letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How we think about material possessions is a major transformation. But Brent, I worked hard for what I have. I deserve to have more than those who don't have what I have. I appeal to Romans chapters 1 through 11. You deserve judgment for your gross sin against God. The fact that you have a house and a car or two and you have some shiny things is an act of God's grace to you. God has mercifully blessed you. You don't deserve it, but God blessed you anyway. Do you think that God ever thought before he sent Jesus to the cross? Do you ever think that he, he's, he paused for a moment and said, I'm gonna give my best, but I know that they're gonna squander it. They're not gonna use it the way that I, I'm gonna give them eternal life and forgiveness of their sins, and then they're gonna misuse it. So maybe I shouldn't give it to them. Isn't that how we think? When we're about to give a gift and it's like, are you gonna use this the way that I want you to use it? Yeah, lots of qualifiers in our giving. God says, here's my son, Jesus Christ. Here is grace. Here is mercy. I want you to be redeemed gloriously. Instead of thinking of ourselves, instead of putting our needs and our wants first, we think in terms of other people's needs before our own. If I have something that someone else needs, then I give it to them with no second thought. Well, maybe a little second thought. Less second thought than I whenever I was not saved. I'll be honest, okay? After all, it's not our own anyway. What? I gave my 10% to church, the 90% is mine. No, that's not, that's not correct. One of these days we'll address that from Scripture. It's not your own anyways. There's no need for you to be so possessive over what is not really yours. Well, Brent, what if they don't take care of it? Or what if they don't return it? Right? That's significant. Whoever borrowed my weed burner several years ago? I got one for my birthday, so I'll let it go. Next sermon, I'll let it go. Not this one. Do you know how much fun a weed burner is? I don't, have, I don't have weeds that I can burn, but I have a weed burner because it's just fun. Anyways, what if people don't take care of it? What if they don't return it? By nature, listen to me, I'm gonna use myself as an example. By nature, I am a scorekeeper. And I say that because I think that most of you will relate. By nature, I'm a scorekeeper. There was a time that it really bothered me when favors were not even. If I helped you, I expected you to help me, vice versa. If you helped me, then I feel obligated to help you, and then I feel indebted, so then I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to feel indebted to you. You understand the cycle? It's psycho. If you borrow something, I was keeping track. Uh, 
I, I lend a lot of books. I used to lend a lot of books out. Now I've discovered that there's books that I lend out, so I just buy three or four of them, and I just tell people, listen, it's yours. If you give it back to me, fine. If you don't, don't worry about it. Give it to somebody else who will read it because I don't want to keep track anymore. Something happened. I got ahead of myself a little bit. So here I am keeping track of everything that I lend out to people or that I have given to people or I, a favor that I've done for someone, and then something happened. I hung around godly men who were filled with God's grace and they were just happy to help and they didn't expect anything in return. I know. <laughs> they helped just because there was a need and they could help. And it shined light on how selfish I was. So I made a point to stop acting like a spoiled six-year-old brat and I give or I lend because God has blessed me. And there's much less expectation of reciprocation. And I'm going to tell you, that's a much better way to live. Here it is. If you return it, great. If you just need it and you take it, that's fine. I'll, God will replace it or I'll borrow it from somebody else permanently. <laughs> I've learned that this is a lesson, lesson from Diane's family. Uh, that I just think is amazing because they're, they, I don't know if you guys know, don't tell Diane that I said this, but in the daily owned compound, uh, there are several families, they live together and they share everything together. And that was a little bit unusual to me whenever I married into their family. But uh, what happens is I, I learned that future furniture, not the future, furniture tends to be very fluid. The furniture you have today is not the furniture that you're going to need in three or four years or five years. For instance, you have one family that needs starter furniture, right? My first duplex, I literally had a milk crate that I set on in my dining room because I didn't have any furniture. So the, you have one family that needs starter furniture. You have another family that needs baby furniture, right? And then you have the family that's trying to find a toddler bed and a teenage bed and an adult, whatever, you understand. And then, and then you have another family that's getting nice new furniture and they're living happily and they're able to give away their baby furniture and their starter furniture. The point is that everyone helps somebody else. So if you have something that you're transitioning out, you hand it off to somebody else and somebody else has something to help you with. And if you don't have it, then you go buy it. And then whenever somebody needs that, you share it. Isn't that an amazing system? I mean, that would crater Walmart, but, um, but man, sharing is, is great. Furniture tends to be fluid. Clothes tend to be the same way. I grew up with hand-me-around clothes. It wasn't just down, it was hand-me-around. Uh, one of the shocking lessons as a new parent was that, that babies can actually outgrow clothes from the time you buy them to the time you get them home and put them in it. Right? So they're often one wear. If, you get to, if, you're, if you're fast, they're one wear. So now you have clothes that have been worn one time. Pass them around. Let somebody else use them. Pass them around fast because their kids will outgrow them. As soon as you see someone pregnant, take all your baby clothes to them. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Tools. This is a great illustration. Oh, tools. Hallelujah. Next to food, I like tools. I don't like using them, but I like having them. The next best thing to owning a bunch of tools is knowing someone who owns a bunch of tools, right? That you can borrow. That's what dad's role is. Yeah. Dad, can I borrow? 
You know what's even better than having tools? Is when you have good friends that have good tools that know how to use good tools. That's even better. Hey, I've got a pot of coffee on. Come on over. I need to build a fence. Bring your saws with you and your hammer. The list goes on and on. I only use those to illustrate the point. The bottom line is that if someone has a need, if someone has a need, in view of all the mercies God has given you, be ready and help others. Don't, here's my word of caution, don't wait for a sign from God because he's already given us, given us instructions to do this, right? I'm just waiting for someone to tell me to help them. Well, Paul told us the Holy Spirit through the inspiration of Paul or Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has written to us, if somebody in the body of Christ needs help, help them. There's your sign, okay? So don't wait for a sign from God. Don't wait for an announcement in the bulletin. Just help others. If you see somebody that needs help, help them. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I'm gonna sideline for just a second and brag a little bit. I think that Desert Heights is pretty good about this. I love it whenever people just jump in to help one another with whatever needs uh, there are. And I'm not talking about needs of the church, of the, like the structure of the church here. I mean, within the body, that you guys have friends in the church and you work with each other and you help each other and you just, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm telling you, church is a beautiful community of people. It really is. We share, we help, we serve one another, and it just makes us all greater for it. I like the way you're looking at me. So along the lines of material help, there is also financial help, kind of as a subcategory of material help. Sometimes people need things. Sometimes people need money. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 45, just kind of going on through the text, in Acts, uh, he says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, there's plenty of times that furniture and clothing just do not meet the need. Sometimes people need utilities paid. They need help with their mortgage or groceries or medical bills. Sometimes people just need financial help. It takes a lot of money to live. Good. The rest of you, I will meet you at the gas station after service and you can fill my little car up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cheap. It's a little car. It's $70, $80. It's not much at all good for a week. Come on. It's easy for us to look at those in need of money and just shrug and say, well, I, I wish that I could help them, but I just, I don't have any money. Sometimes in order to help someone out, we have to work a little bit at it. So in the spirit of be ready to help, I know of a person that, who doesn't come to church here anymore, but did, they moved away. They didn't change churches. They just moved away. Uh, but a person who used to come to church here and they intentionally hid money in their wallet so that when they came across someone who had a, some sort of a need that they wanted to help out with, that they actually were prepared to help out in a financial way. I think that's amazing. It's a great plan. I've known several people over many years of ministry who made a plan to uh, help somebody and, and they, they looked for people to help. They looked for a need to meet. Transformed in the way they're thinking, <laughs> right? And then that's wild. What if believers looked for opportunities to bless as often as we look for opportunities to save? 
I can't help you because I'm saving from my 401k so I can retire in Barbados. Hallelujah. <laughs> I think that if Christians were looking for opportunities to bless, I really do believe that the light of the gospel would shine just a little brighter. But Brent, I just don't have enough money to just give it away. Really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scold you a little bit, so just hold on to your britches. Once upon a time, I was told you need still-toed shoes to come to church here. Tuck your feet underneath your chair. If you have money for cable TV, internet, after I cried about it last week, <laughs> cell phones, a whole list of unnecessary luxuries, then surely you can sacrifice one of your gadgets to give groceries or heating and cooling to someone who doesn't have any. It would be terrible in the body of Christ for you to have, uh, uh, Lord help us, I'm gonna say it, a $100 cable bill. That's ridiculous. I, that may be a sin in and of itself. Uh, that's just a personal opinion of mine. But it's terrible for you to have a $100 a month cable bill and somebody else not be able to buy groceries that you go to church with. That would be terrible. That's wrong. That's wrong. And that's on us if that happens. I know you guys are not paying $100 uh, a month for TV. I know you're not. I really, I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> Don't tell me you don't have enough money. You just don't make yourself ready to help others. The fact of the matter is you don't have enough money to satisfy your wants and give to the basic needs of another human being that you go to church with. I've enjoyed pastoring here. It's been a pleasure. All right. We need to change the way we think about material things and money. They are given to me as an act of God's mercy. Surely I can share some things as an act of God's mercy. By the way, again, I think the Desert Heights is a very generous church, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving. Um, in fact, you guys are, are financially generous, and I know I, I announced several weeks ago that they were going to start putting a roof on the building on the 10th, and then that kind of got cluttered up. They were supposed to start this week. That got cluttered up, so hopefully next week. But we're going to be able to get a new roof and pay for it, and we don't have to take a bunch of special offerings. By the way, if you want to give to the roof, that's perfectly fine because it costs a lot of money. Thank you. <laughs> spiritual help. So we have material help. We have spiritual help. So from the age about, I'm going to start way out here and bring it back, okay? So from about 10 years of age until long after you have died, someone is looking up to you. They are imitating you, modeling their life after yours. They are. I know sometimes we think, well, I have no influence with other people. You do. People are watching you. Little kids are watching you. Uh, long after you've died, people are still thinking about how you lived your life. That is true. People are looking up to you, imitating you, modeling your life after your, their lives after yours. God himself wired us to watch and learn from others. You can use that influence for a number of things. You can use that influence for eternal things. Really, Brent? Yes, yes. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. All you have to do is live with faith 
mercy, and grace, and then share your life with someone else. Share your life in the sense of bring them alongside of you, walk together, not just tell them about your life. Does that make sense? Live a life of faith and bring somebody along with you as you go, as you go along. Listen, often and occasionally, oh, let me try that again. Sometimes reading doesn't work for me. Listen often and occasionally share your stories of success and failures. That's a good motto. Listen often and then occasionally share your stories of success and failures. When my kids were little, uh, we watched Secondhand Lions several times. Anybody watch Secondhand Lions? Y'all remember that? It's great. It's classic. It's wonderful. Great movie. Young people in the church need men and women. Oh, let me back up for just a second. So Secondhand Lions, the reason I brought it up, you have two old guys that are helping out this young kid. Uh, it's a wonderful story. So you have two old guys are what every young man and girl needs in their life. So few get it. We need older people in our lives. I know sometimes it's a two-edged sword. Sometimes older people say, well, we've lived past our prime. You don't need us anymore. And then sometimes younger people are like, well, we don't need the older people anymore. And that could not be further from the truth. But both people are thinking we don't need each other. And the fact of the matter is we desperately need each other. So it doesn't matter what age group you're in, be looking for somebody to share life with. Young people in the church need men and women who are not afraid to talk straight, admit when they are wrong, and tell about their own lives, the good and the bad. I do think that young people need to know, hey, I failed along the way, and I recovered. We live in a world that is like, I can't, that we're petrified by the fear of failure, right? I can't even try because I might fail. Oh, that's a miserable way to live life. The church doesn't need any more soft-spoken men who are afraid to, of offending others. We need adults. We need mature people who know what the Bible teaches us and are willing to stand for what the Bible declares as truth and will take the time to pass it along um, to pass along their walk of faith to the next generation. Does that make sense? Well, Brent, isn't that the job of the pastor and the Sunday school teachers? No! It's the body of Christ's function. We all have that. Remember when we do baby dedications and I say, you guys are gonna live in a way that glorifies God so that this child will follow and imitate you? Yeah, that's, that's what we do. We literally do that. It's not about Sunday school teachers have to be perfect so that my kid can follow Christ. No, we're all in this together. So a couple personal thoughts before we transition because I gotta hurry up now. There is more Christian literature now than ever before. With the, with the internet growing, we have Christian material just, just readily available. It's amazing. We have core Christian values and beliefs are more available than ever before. It's in the clutter of life now in our world, but it's more available. There are more churches than ever before in our world. There are more, air quotes, Christians than ever before. There is more money in churches than ever before. And generally speaking, the, the church is offering less spiritual help than ever before. There is a push in the church world 
to meet social needs. And that's not what God designed us for. Is there a fringe benefit of social needs? Yes, but our purpose is still to make fully devoted followers of Christ, not run a social program. You okay? I still think we're the best church in town. All right. Where there are people in spiritual need, as believers, it is our personal responsibility to help them. So don't call me. You can take care of it. Modern organized religion has made helping people a ministry out of the reach of the average believer. If we see someone who needs help, we have to organize a committee, get approval from the leadership, raise a budget, advertise it in the bulletin, get volunteers, blah, 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 blah. I think that the modern church has become institutionalized. Sometimes people just need an ice cream cone and a friendly ear. I'm gonna start a special ministry. It's just gonna be the ice cream cone ministry. That is, I just feel the spirit leading for sure. Yeah, sometimes people just need, they need somebody to listen. They need a smile. They need a hug. Maybe they just need a friend. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Number two, hospitality. Oh, oh. this is a difficult one. I got to tell you, as I go through Romans, um, this is one that we'll have an altar service later and you guys can come pray for me to repent. Uh, <clears throat> I like my private time. And as time goes on, I like my private time even more. And so I get, I get more guarded about my time. So hospitality, there's my confession. Here we go. Hospitality. He says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager. Oh, that's a terrible word. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So here again, we have an example from the New Testament. Acts chapter two, verse 46. He says, they worship together at the temple each day. That's great. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That, is, that really is wonderful. So see, I, uh, getting together to eat has been part of the church from the very beginning. Um, where two or three are gathered together, we should eat. Uh, breaking bread together. This is why you should bring your Bible to church. Breaking bread together. Man, that, that is why I became a pastor. I'm kidding. Hospitality. Hospitality is welcoming people into your home. I got to tell you, I tried to change that definition all week long, but I believe it. Not good at it, but I believe it. Hospitality is welcoming people into your home. Now, it's more than inviting people in and showing them around and then asking them to leave. <laughs> okay, you saw my living room. Goodbye now. No, 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 no. Hospitality is about honoring others in your home. Does it have to be in your home? I think that hospitality can kind of happen in other places. I mean, we're nice, we're kind, we're welcoming, whatever. But, you know, you don't welcome somebody to my house. No, you're welcoming to your home. So it, 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 by definition, it needs to happen at your home. That's just the way God did that. So hospitality is about honoring others in your home. In the Old Testament, because you're thinking, well, how far does this go? Well, the Old Testament example is that they killed a calf. Ooh. I like the way this is going. I'm going to have a barbecue. Wash the feet of their guests. I don't like this anymore. Not only do I not want to wash somebody's feet, I really don't want anybody else touching my feet. (laughs) 
Somebody wants to touch my feet. That's not appropriate. <laughs> not appropriate. <laughs> Kill the fatted calf, wash the feet of their guests, and made a big issue out of the presence of their guests, even when they didn't know them. What? That is so foreign to our culture for most of us. Just because they were a fellow Israelite in the Old Testament, they invited them in and treated them with even more honor than family. That's really incredible. It's like our house is open and we just want to love you. Hospitality is never about trying to show your guests how special you are. It is about making your guests feel how special they are. Does that make sense? And you do this by sharing, this is part of hospitality, sharing the most private, vulnerable, and safe space in your life, which is your home and your family. You do. See, it's easy to come to church and be hospitable. Hey, welcome to church. Get a cup of uh, the coffee that somebody else paid for. It's no big deal. But then whenever you invite somebody to your house and they eat your food and sit on your couch and maybe spill coffee on your carpet, it's different. It's different, right? Years ago at a whole, not this church, I had somebody tell me as I was in charge of small groups, it was in a previous lifetime, I'm kind of joking, uh, previous employment, long time ago, I was in charge of small groups and somebody told me we can't host a life group anymore, a small group at our house anymore because we have light colored carpet and we don't want it to get stained. We don't want to show hospitality because our shiny things might get blemished. And I say that as an illustration to really cast a shadow on that person, but the fact of the matter is, I think that there's a little bit of that in all of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm that way. I have hardwood floors. Uh, we built our house. I shouldn't tell this story. I'll tell this, but you can't repeat it, okay? So we have hardwood floors. I, Diane and I put them in. There, there's a whole long story. Anyways, we have nice floors. And uh, we had our, our small group over, and this person sat on the ottoman and then scooted across the floor during life group. And my heart went, oh, 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 mercy, Lord Jesus, give me mercy. You know what? It's just floors. Two days later, I dropped a drill on the floor. I made a mark on the floor. So it's no big deal. It's just, it's no big deal. Several weeks ago, I preached about, I had to get back to my notes or we're not going to get out before second service starts. Several weeks ago, I preached about honoring others over yourself, honoring others over yourself. So if you want to really do some ministry, invite someone over for a meal to your house, someone. <laughs> I like this because people will come. They'll come to our Next Steps class or our DHC Essentials and they'll say, I want to be involved in ministry. Well, you want to invite somebody over to your house for a meal? Oh, no, 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 no. I want to be involved in ministry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that more ministry happens around a dining room table than even what happens here on Wednesday night. And I love Wednesday night. I believe that, by the way. Invite someone over for a meal. I know you've got a dozen reasons why you can't. We all do. Just make a plan to work toward inviting someone to your house. And when, when you open your home to others and say, be my guest, <laughs> let me serve you, 
It makes people feel good about being around you. It's true. They feel honored and they like you. And then they begin to see how your faith in the Lord Jesus has shaped your life. When you invite them in to your most intimate place, your home and your family, they begin to see how your faith in Jesus has shaped your life, shaped your thinking, and shaped how you treat your wife and children. Man, that's loaded. Well, what if they see how I treat my wife and children? Maybe it's an issue of faith. Two reasons we typically do not show hospitality. I'm not gonna go down that road. I'm gonna keep going. Two reasons we do not show hospitality. First, we're too busy to serve others. Number two, we're more concerned about what people will think about our house than we are concerned about honoring them. That's a problem. But I think that that's, I think that's pretty correct. We either just don't want to serve them, we're too busy, we have our lives going on. Man, I understand that. Everybody is at a different place in life. As I get older, I see, oh man, I've said it before, all you folks with toddlers, God bless you, you need a 30-hour day and a 12-day week. But if we don't prioritize relationships and honoring one another, uh, then our kids will never see us on, uh, demonstrate hospitality to other people. And we need that. We're not too busy and we shouldn't be too concerned about our homes to honor other people. So finally, Paul instructs us to give our bodies the totality of our lives, including our home and our effort, possibly our finances or our furniture, to give the totality of our lives as a sacrifice One of the ways we give our lives as a sacrifice to God is to always be eager to show hospitality. Be eager to show hospitality. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.